podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This must be a pretty good fight, Jim. I've already got five dots of blood on my shirt. And it's Pavlik's blood. Hello everybody and welcome to another edition of Punches from the Past. I'm Steve Wellings and I'm joined once again this week by Dave Lee, Andy Patterson and Kurt Ward. We've covered a fair few fights already guys. If you'd have listened to last week's episode, you'll have been enthralled by the Withenshaw battle between Carl Thompson and Ezra Sellers. But we're going slightly off the radar a little bit and over to the boardwalk hall in Atlantic City, New Jersey this week from September the 29th, 2007, where Jermaine Taylor and Kelly Pavlik clashed for the WBC and WBO World Middleweight titles. Jermaine Taylor undefeated, as was his challenger. A real clash of the ages, an absolutely superb fight. I believe Dave Lee's going to lead us in to tell us exactly what was going on in the lead-up to this super fight. Yeah, thanks, Steve. Um, as you mentioned, the fight took place on September 29, 2007 at the Boardwalk Hall in Atlantic City. It was for the uh, WBC and WBO middleweight titles, and I think the ring belt was also on the line. Yeah, lineal title. Yeah, lineal title. Um, uh, Taylor, um, yeah, Taylor was coming off some you know fairly insipid performances, you know, against the likes of Corey Spinks and Kasim Uma, you know, two much smaller opponents who you would have thought Taylor would, would have been, would have dealt with uh, quite decisively, and he seemed to get um, somewhat of a fortunate uh, draw against Winky Wright. So not not coming into um into the fight with a lot of confidence. I mean, he he'd beaten Hopkins twice, but neither victories were what you could call really conclusive. So he was still he was still a man search, still searching for that you know star making performance. I have a theory as well that in the first Hopkins fight, um, when Taylor was hurt and wobbled later in the in that fight, I think that took something out of Taylor mentally as well. Um. After that, I don't know, maybe it's just me. I, he never looked to have the same um, assuredness, assuredness, swagger that he had early on in his career. 
And after the Hopkins fight, you know, he, he looked at you, a fighter always on edge, always, he always had this kind of tense stance about him. And I think that can explain a lot of the stamina issues he was having uh, later in his career because, you know, of course, nervous energy can, you know, drain you. So, you know, it was the first, I think it was the first time he ever faced real adversity in the Hopkins fight. And I don't know, maybe he just took something out of him mentally, you know, just a theory. But, you know, Taylor, Taylor was, uh, you know, he, he was being groomed for superstardom by HBO. I mean, he was a bronze medalist at the Sydney Olympics. Um, I myself, I remember the first time watching him was on the undercard of the Hopkins Eastman show when he stopped uh, Daniel, Daniel Edward in the third round. And he looked the business, you know, he, he looked a natural athlete. And that, that, that was important because he, he didn't actually like boxing at all. He wasn't a fan of the sport, never read a boxing magazine. And famously, uh, before the Pavic, before the Pavic fight, he didn't even know what belts he had. Because <laughs> he, he had lost the WBA title and the IBF title uh, from Hopkins. But he'd lost both of them in the meantime. And he didn't even know what belts he had. You know, he just didn't follow the sport at all. But he was a natural athlete. And, and because of that, you know, whatever career he would have chosen, his natural athleticism meant he was going to have reasonable success no matter what. And boxing was just, just happened to be the sport he chose. Um, Emmanuel Stewart came on board as Taylor's chief coach after the Hopkins rematch. But I think it's fair to say the two never really had much of a rapport. You know, Stewart, uh, you know, Stewart was making a lot of noises before the public fight that, you know, Kelly was overrated. And he actually had a, he actually had a kind of a dig at his trainer, Jack Lowe, as well, saying that he wasn't a you know, proper trainer. But the difference was Pavlik had been with Lowe since, a, since the age of nine, I believe. Mm-hmm. And you know those two had a very close relationship. Low understood public psyche, which is very important for a trainer. You know, think of uh, you know uh, Peter Fury and Tyson Fury. You know, they, they they understand each other, and that's very important. Um, you know, Stewart, on the other hand, I don't think really understood Taylor. And by all accounts, he wasn't really in the gym either training Taylor. I think that was left up to uh, the co-trainer Ozil Nelson, and who had replaced um, uh, Taylor's. A long-time trainer, Pat Burns, and by all accounts, uh, there was a school of thought that Nelson was in the gym with with Taylor, but he wasn't really pushing Taylor as hard as Pat Burns used to, which could also explain the stamina issues, which was which were starting to rear their head. A bit like the Hamed and Stewart link up, I'd say, a bit like bringing Absolutely. him on because he's you know the big name, he's the guy's got big big bigger than his boots now and he's missed the big time and he's got to get the big time trainer when he doesn't really gel and he should have stuck with the guy who actually got him there in the first place. Absolutely. Do you know what you know what he is, uh, what he was at that stage, I think, and not to be you know not to insult Manuel Stewart because you know one of the top trainers of all time, but I think at that stage he was like a hired gun, wasn't he? You know, people well, just like Freddie Roach now. Like like Freddie Roach now, you know, and I think with Taylor he was like a de facto trainer. You know, he wasn't doing the hard, he wasn't doing the groundwork. He was just showing up for the fights and, you know, um you know, you know, giving the spiel in the corners, but, you know, he wasn't really in the gym doing the hard training with fighters. I mean, at the time as well, he had a big gig with with uh, HBO, so that, that took up most of his time. And going back to the fight, I can't remember the odds, but I think it was pretty much pretty much even money, but Taylor perhaps being the slight favourite, because I think the feeling going into the fight was that while Pavlik had shown vulnerabilities in the past, particularly against uh, Zuniga, and, you know, that great fight with Edison Miranda, which... You know, he was coming off the back of going into this fight. You know, he, he was a fighter that seemed to be improving with each fight, whereas Taylor actually appeared to be regressing, even under Manny Stewart. So um, you know, the, 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 the stage was set for, for a classic, and I think that's what we got. 
It's just like, uh, just, just to add a wee bit of making a background as well, just to add what Dave was saying, these two actually had met as amateurs back in 2000 at the Olympic trials. You know, Pavlik only had been a 17-year-old kid, where I think uh, Taylor had a three or four-year age advantage on him as well. I think Taylor yeah, won the... 21, wasn't he, Andy? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think uh, Taylor won the fight 11-5 and got the decision, and as, as Dave said, he went on to get an Olympic bronze. Um, that said, you know... Again, just mentioning about Jack Lowe, I mean, you know, Dave's right, you know, Manny Shure was basically making comments about him. Um, you know, those comments would come back as well after after Pavlik lost to Hopkins. But, you know, as Dave quite like to say again, as you know, he was with him since the age of nine, um, gave him everything he had, basically. And the thing with Pavlik was, was when coming up through the ranks at the time, he was, he was facing, you know, Okay, no great opposition, but solid opposition. It was, it was the fact is it was the manner in which he was actually destroying these these opponents. People are starting to take notice that this guy may or may have something to offer. And the thing with, with Taylor is, as well is, if you go back and look at his his two defences after 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 Hopkins leading into the the actual Pavlik fight to get two fighters to actually look awful against, he, he, they went out and picked the two best opponents for that case. Uma, we all know, has got the chin of God. He gave he gave him absolute torrid time in that fight against Taylor, and yeah, I think it was that fight. Was it that fight? Or was it the Sphinx fight that Manny Shub was losing his shit with, with Taylor? Saying like, you're not you're not throwing the punches. You need to let these punches go. You know, I think you know, Umar's come up from like one five four for that fight. I think Sphinx was best weight was running about one five four as well, coming up in weight or whatever. But you know, going into that fight, I, I just I just think maybe. Okay, Taylor was kind of classed as a superstar, or was getting built into being a superstar, I should say. But going into that fight, it was more to do with the fact that could he actually even defend his title? Could he actually come out of that uh, out of that fight? Actually, you know, as still the champion because Pavlik got in there had a, had a lot of momentum, had a lot of big knockouts, and the other thing as well is both were undefeated. But I just think that Pavlik just kind of rose to the occasion that night, whereas Taylor, it's all said again, you know, the old gas tank kind of caught him in the end. Yeah, I think you're actually right, Andy. I think their careers, even though they were both defe- uh, undefeated at the time, their careers were, I wouldn't say moving in different directions, but Pavlik was definitely on the ascendancy, as you say. He had some very good wins against the likes of Zuniga. Bronco McCart, very tough, experienced competitor. Lennon Pierre, big punching, very vulnerable, expected knockout. But it was really the Edison Miranda knockout when Pavlik got rid of him. So impressively that people really started to sit up and take notice. It was an eliminator for the WBC title as well. And HBO back in back in the day were in the, the business of pushing these fights. They really wanted these type of fights and they pushed it on. And Taylor, like you said, he was in a bit of a tough spot at the time. I always think that getting rid of Pat Burns was a mistake. It took him so far. He was the humble kid from Arkansas. You remember Bill Clinton turning up to the Hopkins fight. Pat Burns was there, the old experienced hand. And Taylor, it was just starting to show that his maybe mental capacity wasn't all quite as it should be. And, you know, I'm not saying he was flipping stupid or anything like that, but he was just... Yes, yeah, look up the, the demons were start, you know, starting to show. Now, saying that, both of these guys are people who've retired and showed great vulnerabilities outside of the ring. That's no real, real you know, mark on them as men. But Taylor was really starting to, to lose his shit, as you would say, Andy, at this point, I think, during the fight. He was doing a lot of erratic things out of the ring, and he hadn't looked impressive, had he? Was it the Winky Wright fight, I think, that, that a lot of us thought that he'd even lost that fight? And against Speaks, it was terrible. Yeah, it was a awful fight. I think, as I say, I forget which fight it was. I don't know if anybody can remind me, but, but one of the it fights was during the corner, um, the Spinks. Spinks fight, yeah. I, I've never seen Stuart that animated since Clutch Go for a. Oh, oh, 
That's the one. No, no, it was one that he knocked the guy out late, mate, in the 11th round or 12th that round. Oh, Chambers. Chambers, yeah. Chambers, Chambers that was the one. But it, it, actually, it actually reminded me, um, Andy, of um, Stewart and the Connor against Lennox Lewis like, when he fought Tyson. I remember when kind of yeah. Lewis was kind of... Oh, like, I love like, like, dead man in front of you, he said. Yeah, yeah. L- 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 Lewis... Lewis was kind of toying with Tyson around the fourth, fifth round, and Stewart just reverted back to Reed Street ghetto talk, didn't he? You know, it was like get this fucker out of here, otherwise this guy's gonna catch you with some crazy shit. And he was he was going through the same spiel uh, with, um, with with Taylor against Spinks. He, he just wasn't throwing punches. He he looked to be kind of hypnotized by by, by Spinks's uh, style. I just for me, I mean, these two are you know. You, Two of the most overrated fighters, really, of you know the last how many years? Because that's not you know saying they're, they're not good fighters or anything. But I think Taylor was it was all thrust upon him to be the, this next star. I think looking back now, he, he clearly got Bernard Hopkins at the very end of his you know 160 run when he he, he was really struggling with the weight, and um, it's debatable. I mean, people still say Hopkins they thought won the fights. It's it, you could uh, an argument could be made that. Jermaine Taylor lost three fights in a row, twice with Bernard Hopkins. I think Winky Wright definitely beat him. And then he, he just seemed, once he got to, you know, the, the big star that he, he always believed he was or was told he was, he, it's like he, he looked at these guys like Corey Spinks, Kazim Uma, like they weren't on his level. And, you know, he looked dire in, in, in those fights and he got a lot of criticism after those fights. And that criticism ended up, in my opinion, costing him the fight against Pavlik because he, he seemed to go into this fight against a tall, rangy guy, pretty, you know, as I said, a pretty one-dimensional guy, and a very overrated himself, but very hard man, and who punched very hard as well, and was very hungry for, for, for the win, and the, the title, and the fame, and, and what that would bring, and I think, in, in with all that criticism he had, you know, he wanted to make a big statement, and, you know, he, he thought he, he'd really be too much for Pavlik, and I think, at the time, I'd say exactly so, I think, you know, he'd have, be too fast, too athletic. I think with Jermaine Taylor, because he was so athletic, people confuse that with, oh, he's a great boxer. I think he was found out many times. And in this fight, I mean, you got to, I mean, at that second round, no matter what anyone says about Kelly Pavlik, you got to say, for him to get through that second round and go on after that, mm-hmm. it's <laughs> yeah. incredible because yeah. he looked absolutely all over the place. This he is, took some shots, didn't he, Kurt, in that yeah. And this is another fight where you got to thank that Steve Smogler is referee <laughs> again because Kelly Pavlik owes him because... A lot of fight, uh, referees might have just said that's enough. You, you, I mean, th- there's a slow-mo uh, replay of the, the three-punch combination tail hitting with, and the last left hits him just right. flush right in the face. And mm. it's incredible that he carried on. And a lot of refs might have just said, no, you're not even defending yourself. But he got through it. And Kelly Pavlik, I mean, a very, very tough man. Yeah, because I, 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 he started unloading. He started unloading pa- uh, Taylor in that, uh, after that first knockdown, actually. And then I think he caught Pavlik again with a right hand. He's, he's just, he was like, bam, your eyes right across the ring. But, you know, Pavlik, as you say, mate, he, he hung on. He, he smothered the work and he survived the round. But finally, on wobbly legs going back to that corner. Yeah, as we mentioned uh, last week, um, you know, we just tank our lucky stars that we had, you know, Steve Smogger refereeing this fight because I think any other, I think it's fair to say any other ref could have stopped Pavlik in that round. And I don't think there would have been too many complaints because Pavlik, as you mentioned, all over the place, all at sea, didn't know where Chewing he was. Chewing up, hands down. Chewing up, hands down, wasn't throwing back, uh, nope. getting caught clean. Uh, but Taylor, I think he almost, uh, and probably did as well, shot his balls in that round, didn't he? He says when he was an amateur, he was more boxer and stylist than big puncher. It's a good right hand there, twice over. He's bent the knees at Pavlik. Pavlik's hurt. He's open. 
He made a mistake getting up so early. The legs are still wobbly. Long time to go in the round as well. We're only halfway through it. Taylor here can come up with a spectacular win. How can Pavlik get through this? He's got to hold on. He's really got to hold on now. He's fighting through a fog. Taylor, another huge right. He's all over the place. The fight is on the verge of being stopped here. Well, he's hanging on for dear life. Pavlik, he's going to try and clear the head. Don't give Taylor a clean shot. He's got to hold on. Somehow get through the crisis. There's still 50 seconds in the round left. 50 seconds for Taylor to tee off with those big rights. Public's finding out what it's like now at the top world level. And Taylor is answering his critics here in spectacular fashion so far. Yeah, good punches from Taylor. He's opening up, he's relaxed. This is the start he wanted. Pavlik finds the wherewithal somehow in his crisis to throw a couple of right hands. He's 20 seconds away from that bow. He needs it so very, very badly. Taylor looks as if he's momentarily punched himself out in this round. Thrown a lot of punches. Sensational round. We're going to get the bow any second. Against the odds, Kelly Pavlik has somehow, don't ask me how, got through it and totters back to his corner. Just about. Is the minute going to be long enough then? He did yeah. because if you look at sorry, see, see if you start uh, start the third round, Pavlik came out strong, so obviously the, the recuperative powers were far better than than Taylor, as you say. Perhaps maybe I think he might have alluded to in, in the commentary, he might have punched himself out. Yeah, I think it's as well. Um, as, uh, Andy uh, Pavlik was known for uh, really uh, extreme conditioning, wasn't he? Yeah, that's it. And I, I think, like, I remember ringside back in the day showing him uh, his training regimen, you know, really, really strict training regimen, really uh, put, put, uh, put his body to, to work. I think, his mom and, I think his mum and dad basically controlled his diet as well, eh? I mean, you think about it, this guy yeah. came from a town of 92,000 people, and they created fighters like Boom Boom Mancini, Jeff Lampkin, who erased off Duran, and uh, Harry Arojo, there was Greg Richardson as well, I think, who fought yeah, Jokey Hero. You know, some some good fighters from. Yeah, I was going to say the whole the whole, yeah. the whole of the whole of um, Youngstown apparently uh, just basically shut down whenever Pavlik fought. I mean, he was just re so revered, wasn't he? Hmm. Yeah, they loved him. That's what I was going to say. Actually, David, the atmosphere was absolutely superb, and it was actually Taylor who came racing out early. He seemed buoyed by the atmosphere, throwing a lot of shots. And but what you were saying was interesting about Pavlik. He was super fit. He was well conditioned. We all knew that. Wasn't it strange? Emmanuel Stewart was saying as early as the first round in the corner, he kept saying he's going to tire. He's going to tire. I wonder why he kept on saying that over and over again throughout the fight. I think that was more to ease Jermaine Tyler because I yeah. think he probably sort of knew what everyone else probably knew that he's got that same thing that John Pascal's got. He just looks like he's worried that he's not going to be out of the distance or he's going to start fighting and he's 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 questioning his own uh, gas tank. And I just think with Jermaine Tyler, he's got that jittery style again that he's just nervous about his energy. And maybe yeah. Manny was like trying to say, you know, you know, he's tiring as if. Now, even though in his mind he knew he wasn't, but to try and ease Jermaine a bit, maybe, I don't know. Yeah. Throughout his career, and, 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 Taylor always faded at the end of fights, didn't he, big ones, anyway? Well, it's, it's, what I, it's, like, it's like what I mentioned earlier on, you know, I think that tense style of his really burned a lot of nervous energy. I mean, you look, you look at, I mean, even um, some of the greatest Prescott, the exact same, wasn't he? You know, had that tense style, and when you're that tense and you're, you're not relaxed, 
as you get into the later rounds, all that nervous energy, you know, it, it, bur- it burns out of you. And you know, we're talking yeah. about public, we're talking about public's conditioning as well. It's inter- interesting to know that when, as for the after football, rings, yeah, but well, you know, rings, ringside's uh, piece, uh, which I mentioned there, they showed you know public's training regimen. It was all old school training, you know, a lifting tires, chopping trees, mm-hmm. you know, none of this like sports science milkshakes, all this. Um, all this cobblers, you know, real old school training stuff that the likes of uh, your your Jack Dempsey's and Marcianos would have done, and you know, it stood it stood him in good stead in this fight, definitely. Yeah, but it was it wasn't what I would call a, a absolute muscle, you know, a muscle bound ripped middleweight. I mean, he was a big, big dude for middleweight. I think it was like seven, like oh, six yeah. two, six three, but it wasn't clearly defined. You know, wasn't cut. No. But as you say, but his regimen was percent and under. I mean, as I, I say, his, I, mum, his mum and dad controlled his diet, what he ate, what he, you know, if he was training, they would kick his ass, get out and train and stuff. And that's correct. Yeah, I remember. I remember. He, I remember him saying that as well. Like you know, whenever he woke up and he, he wasn't in the mood to train, they'd basically give him a kick up the backside. Come on, you're, you're training for the title, there. Get up and start training. So that that stood him in good stead as well. You know, the, you know, definitely he was he hit a, such a large frame for a middleweight, didn't he? I mean, I remember. Watch the first time I saw Pavlik was on the undercard of the Hopkins De La Hoya fight back in two thousand four, and that was yeah. up at super. That was up at super middleweight, and I thought even then watching him, I said, "Geez, this guy's freakishly tall for a super middleweight. He's going to have to move up to like heavy." But he actually moved down to middleweight. I mean, how he made that, I don't know. But you know, he, maybe that's he, why he's also cutting so defined, mate, because he's he's cutting himself down to middleweight. Uh, down to middleweight. That's maybe then hampered him. Kind of like build muscle. Yeah, that, that's that's definitely a point. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, yeah, that's an interesting point. Actually, I was going to say, um, I remember seeing him fight. I think I was actually at that show. I remember seeing Pavlik. That was the first time I'd seen him. And he was quite laboured in that performance. I didn't, I wasn't expecting any great things from him, but he obviously went on. And I think mentioning the fitness side of things is interesting because in and around one of our previous punches from the past, when we were talking about Sanchez and Nelson, we said it at the time, didn't we, guys? You know, there's a lot to be said for this sports science and all this these days. You've got guys blowing out their ass after six mm-hmm. or seven rounds yeah. when they're doing all these machines and stuff. These guys are out chopping the trees and, you know, it's a bit of an old cliche and everything. But there was, you know, Sammy Sanchez, 15 rounds, Pavlik there, he could have fought all night and there's no sports machine inside. There's, there's yeah. an old saying, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So why they change all this, you know, sports science and all what are here now, you know, and all this nonsense when, as I said, go back and watch the old, Old timers, they're fighting 20, 25. Some fights were forty-five rounders. I mean, you know, these guys are all hard men. They're fighting every week. What's what's different now? Why are they so different? Apparently, they they got the best nutrition in the world now. All these other stuff they get in the sports science is so good. Yet these guys, some of them even do twelve rounds. That they can't they can't walk afterwards. I mean, so you you got to look at it. Like, I just think it's it's with all sports. It's just a lot of nonsense, really. Just for people, the sports scientists, to get paid and create extra jobs for all these. Bogus things. Boxing, boxing is actually less sport and more science these days, anyway, mate. But yeah, there's there, there's definitely there's definitely something to be said for that, though. You know, I mean, our public showed it in this fight. Uh, as you as getting back to the fight, as you mentioned, you know, Taylor looked a bit gassy in the third round, didn't he? And you know, what, he was, one thing he was is holding, what, wasn't he? As well, he was holding a lot, up. yeah. What one thing that doesn't get discussed enough in this fight, and I think it was so important uh, for Pavlik, was the jab. The jab really busted Taylor up. You know, yeah, he, he stopped using it some uh, on occasion, but when he when he started to get it working again, as he did in the third round, um, you could tell it was really disrupting Taylor's rhythm and just busting him up. Negative. Taylor Pavlik here drives him back. Might have stung him with one of those. Well, it's a good combination, body and head. 
Listen to public stands. Taylor, for doing very little in this round. He's let public back into the contest. And remember, he is a puncher, public. The thing is, I, th- I think the, um, the main thing was that Pavlik was commanding the centre ring for the good good portion of that fight. You know, Taylor was kind of more reduced to kind of fighting off the back foot, kind of like, you know, if he's on the ropes, he would, he would, he would actually kind of come firing back off the ropes, actually, Taylor, because he, he had to, you know, I think Taylor, uh, Stewart was basically telling him, didn't he go on the ropes? But you've got to give a shout out to the, to the commentary team, minus Lennox Lewis. Lennox Lewis was fucking awful in this fight. Absolutely fucking. By HBO. Was, this, was, was this a fight, mate? No, but it was, it was his steady stream of HBO appearances that the fans just had enough and they oh, cared, didn't they? He was, I, I'll actually come on to his comment and, uh, for the stoppage. It was fucking horrible. But you know, just come back to the third round, you know, you know I think Lamp played basically summarised to say that kind of, Pavlik was, you know, he'd gained upper hand and he's back the champion at the corner and he was tactically in control of the fight. You know, that, you know I think after that round, Larry didn't even shout it out. Said, Gentlemen, we have a fight. Again, you know, fourth round, Pavlik again, he's got Taylor backing up, he's going forward. You know, I think Taylor got worn for a low blow at one point. Uh, you know, Pavlik then got into him late, got into the ropes. And, you know, as I say, Taylor managed to kind of bounce off those ropes. You know, I think the fifth round was kind of slightly slower, even though Pavlik again was kind of starting to kind of push it on the right foot. Kind of Pavlik's nose kind of... was starting to bleed and a lot, wasn't it, Andrew? I think, I think that came off the, off the knockdown in the second round, though, I think. Yeah. Um, uh, as I say, he's looking for the right hand over the top. But it, was, it was more turning into kind of more of a boxing match, I thought, remember the kind of fourth and fifth round. But then, there obviously... Some, there was some good work, though, wasn't there? Yeah. In fairness to Taylor, coming from Taylor, there was some good work. You know, fifth and sixth round especially, yeah. I thought he was kind of at times befuddling Pavlik. And, you know, you've seen Pavlik's bunches. And, you know, he was really letting his hands go and putting together some good com- combinations. But the problem was, he was being forced to work at a pace he wasn't exactly. happy with. Yeah. That was the thing, mate, because I think in the seventh round that, you know, uh, um, he was forced to stand totally toe with Pavlik at that point. Yeah, yeah. And, he was, and, and by that stage, he, he was on in, wasn't he? Yeah. I agree. I actually made notes to that effect, Dave, pretty much what you're saying there. Nice skills and combinations from Taylor. But I think it was the beginning of the sixth round, really, to give Taylor his credit. He came out and he showed why. He showed, started to show glimpses of why he was such a talked-about fighter. I mean, you know, we look back at Taylor now, and I, th- I remember quite a lot of the bad things. But he did have talent. He showed skills, and he showed a lot yeah, of promise actually. on the way up. And I think in that sixth round, he came out for the first couple of minutes, and he showed real glimpses of ability and why people were so high on him at the time. The natural, the, natural, the natural talent was never in question, was it, Steve? You know, no. He, he was always, he, as we said, as you mentioned earlier, you know, naturally athletic, you know, very athletically gifted. I think it was mentally there was big problems there and, you know, we, we, we see it there today. You know, not, not, not to fast forward uh, too much, but the, tra- the slow transformation of Taylor over the years really has been startling. You know, we mentioned it earlier, man, you know, you know, nice, humble young guy from, uh, you know, Little Rock, Arkansas. And the guy we see today, it's not the same guy, is it? I think in the fight, though, I think him hurting public as bad as he did, it was actually the worst thing to happen to Jermaine Taylor because, one, he shot his bolt trying to get him out of there. And two, it, it gave public confidence. He was like, you've absolutely hit me with your best shots. You know, I shouldn't be here, and yet still I am, and I'm still coming forward. And it, I don't know what that did mentally. When we saw it in Jermaine Taylor fights after this as well, you know, the Carl Frotch one is a perfect example. That when, uh, uh, you know, if you look at this fight, Pavlik looked like a different weight class to Taylor. You know, he had the size on him, and he was coming forward, making Taylor work at a pace he didn't want to. Even though Taylor was winning the rounds and was looking good, it was just like a mental pressure that, 
Pavlik could take what he took and was still coming and Pavlik was, was landing that right hand and he was starting to land and I think you know, we won't know but as a fighter I think he can obviously feel the guy weakening he can feel his shots aren't as powerful as well or when he's hold, he's holding a lot more and he hasn't got the strength to, to do it as much and I just think Pavlik was getting more confidence even though necessarily he wasn't winning the fight and I think he knew he was going to have a moment where he could um, get Taylor and one thing about Cody Pavlik, he was a fantastic finisher. I mean, mm-hmm. as soon as yeah. he had t- Taylor Hurt, that was it. There was no, you know, messing it. about. Clinical, it, wasn't it? Yeah. He was the beauty of boxing because no other sport can change just like that. I mean, you you can be ahead, you can win every minute of every round, and it can just change with one punch. And yeah. Pavlik shown that. Yeah. I think I, I think that finishing. Only good oh, yeah. oh yeah, so I was just going to say, I think that finishing uh, sequence in the seventh round for me is one of the most memorable moments of the last decade. You know, it's just. As you said, two right hands, uh, Taylor stumbling into the corner, and as you mentioned, just so clinical. You know, the follow up shots, the, you know, was, there was two cracking uppercuts, but then the, it was like this one like, slashing left to the temple, and mm. you could just see that the, the energy almost just completely sapped from Taylor, and his whole body just collapsed in a heap. And you know, the, play, the place just like it was an uproar, like the, as you said, probably half of Youngstown was in the, uh, the Boardwalk Convention Center that night. And you know, just such just such a memorable moment. So far in this round, it's been enough. There's that right hand, it gets her again, again. Taylor takes it all. He didn't take that one so well. Good right hand. And then another uppercut. Taylor is in trouble for the first time. Pavlik's unloading. Taylor's gonna have to be stopped. That fight is turned sensationally around. And Kelly Pavlik, out of nowhere, is the middleweight champion of the world. We have a sensation here. I think um, it's a good time actually you know, to kind of bring in here as to how Lennox Lewis probably ended up losing his job at HBO because <clears throat> he actually he actually failed to see the the, the right hand that set it all up way like maybe like 10, 15, 20 seconds before the actual stoppage because if you look at the HBO when they showed the replay did they actually show the right hand that actually landed before it but what happened was it was a long right hand uh, from uh, from Pavlik. It stung Taylor pretty badly. It seemed to root him to the spot, and then he seemed to back off a little bit. And then Taylor went in again. Sorry, Pavlik went in again on the right hand, put him in at the corner. You see, there was a left hook in there. I think the final shot might have been an uppercut, but definitely there was a left hook in there involved somewhere, somewhere. And uh, Lennox Lewis says, "I don't know where that shot that the, that shot that landed that actually hurt him." How the fuck did you not know, see it, Lennox? <laughs> anyway, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Smoker, again, you know, this is why I love Smoker, right? You know, when he was at his prime, because that fight, anywhere else would have been stopped as soon as Taylor went in that corner and took the left hook. But being the champion, again, the champion deserves every respect. Smoker gave it to him. He could have stepped in maybe two or three seconds beforehand, but he wanted to see what Taylor had left, and he didn't have anything. He folded to his knees, and the right thing was done. He waved the fight off. Great, great finish. I did think, as, as, as Kurt says, if you get if Pavlik had you in the hook, you were finished. Yeah, he was great. Finisher. He was a great finisher. Killer instinct was just superb. I think it was just the the swiftness of the finish for me. It was like they were competing on more or less even terms. And then all of a sudden, that right hand lands, and before you know it, Pavlik's in for the kill. Like 
so quickly and he's finished him off just brilliantly accurate shots he picked every shot really nice and absolutely superb finish from Pavlik definitely and afterwards I was very impressed with him in the post fight interview as well he sounded like his nose was busted up a bit but he just sounded like a nice deferent guy hadn't really got anything bad to say about Taylor and yeah. you know it was just, it was just uh, a nice know, thing all it's, it's, it's funny you mention that Steve because it is, you know, I, I forget who mentioned about him being a nice guy and you know, he heard me mention like some boom boom man saying he gave a lot of shout out to those guys after that fight yeah but then, if you remember, I think it was maybe a few years back, obviously, you know, Pavlik's got some issues with, like, Drink alcohol it. and stuff like that. Yeah. He then started shitting on uh, Boom Boom Mancini, who was probably trying to kind of reach out to him and try and help him, but, you uh, know, we, it just we, shows you. Yeah. We, we talked about, you know, Taylor's uh, transformation. I think the same can be said to Pavlik. Uh, you know, he's got his own personal demons, and unfortunately, he doesn't seem to be conquering them, you know. It's quite sad as well because I was convinced after this fight that boxing had a new star. I mean, especially as well. I mean, the the the, the boardwalk hall in Atlantic City. I mean, it was famously called the um, the house that, that, that the house that Gaddy built exactly, Andy. And you know, a couple of months before uh, this fight, uh, Carlos Baldemir unfortunately, you know, put paid to to to, to Gaddy's career effectively. Uh, obviously, he had that last fight against Gomez, which is tragic, but. The, the Valdemar fight really eliminated Gaddy from, from from world title contention, and you know it looked like you know the, the, as you, as you mentioned earlier on the atmosphere on on that night with for uh, Taylor Pavlik was absolutely sensational, and all the fans you know American fans uh, traditionally they don't travel for for for, for fighters, but Youngstown travelled to watch Pavlik, and it looked like uh, Boardwalk Hall in Atlantic City had a new star in Kelly Pavlik, but as we mentioned, um, didn't really uh, didn't really pan out that way unfortunately. I wonder how those people from Youngstown actually afforded to manage to go there because uh, there's no industry out there. You know, as I say, it's a product of the steel mines that are actually all shut now as well. Yeah. So, massive, massive unemployment in that area. You've got to look That's at right. the, the two fighters as well, their careers. I mean, when you beat Bernard Hopkins, you think, you know, the middleweight has got a young, you know, a talented kid now who can, you know, be the next star after getting rid of the, the ageing, you know, middleweight champion. It didn't work out. Obviously, you know, we, we talked about Taylor's poor defence where he didn't look good. But exactly the same we said about Kelly Pavlik. I mean, now again, he, he, he's just defrauding Taylor. And again, you think this guy's going to be a star. You know, he, he's got a crowd behind him. You know, he's, he's, he's brought excitement to this division now. After, you know, years of Hopkins boring everyone and Jermaine Taylor not doing too well. And, but he's, he's Ryan as well, if you look at it. I mean, Gary Lockett, then the, the, the terrible, you know, fight against Hopkins when he decided to move up to the seventy, and you know that was the end of him you know but even, even then yeah. he still fought Rubio and Espino was it and he he just he, like Jermaine Tyler his reign was it was really just um, you know it, it didn't work at all and it was sad how two guys there who should have really gone on to do more in the sport just seemed to after reaching the, the top a bit like Riddick Bow after reaching the top what what else was there for them to achieve you know for some fighters the greats they carry on and they, they want to do more and more some fighters even, if they win it and then what else can they do even the rematch uh, Kurt uh, Pavlik didn't really look that impressive did he I mean I know it was like it was at a catch wasn't it yeah it was strange wasn't it it was a pre-agreed thing wasn't it 164 or 165 six, six, um, I think was there no talk also about uh, Pavlik facing Calzaghe at one point when about this time? Well, there was, yeah. I mean, I definitely... And Arthur Abraham was the big fight that people wanted as well. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. 
remember that one as well, mate. Paul Williams, I remember him being run about that that way at the time as well. Because Calzaghi Kessler was the the next week or so, wasn't it? Because during the broadcast, they were going down on all these count the countdown to Barrera, Pacquiao two, the yeah. countdown to Cotto Mosley, Calzaghi Kessler's next week. You're watching oh, Pablo Taylor. For me, it was Halcyon days, wasn't it? Like that's what I say, man. You're fucking. There's none of that PBC shit where you get like you said, guys. I mean, if you look at some of the pay per view shows we get nowadays and stuff, you know, some of the betting is absolutely like wide as you can get. Some of those fights were 50-50, you just mentioned there. Yeah. I, I mean, it's interesting, interesting you mentioned Paul Williams, because I remember at the time there was talks of Pavlik ducking Williams. You know, I don't know. I don't yeah, know, there was also it. talk about Pavlik ducking Abraham as well, because he was going to Germany yeah. and that. Yeah, they yeah. did sign the fight, though, didn't they, Pavlik and Williams? But Pavlik got the, the staff infection and he had to pull out of the fight and then they said right. yeah. But they, he, I think, you know, the, the, the injury was legit. He was, was going to fight Williams and... And obviously Williams got knocked out by Sergio Martinez and you know Pavlik fought him next and you know lost. But in that fight, I actually thought he was doing pretty well and he was it a was pretty even fight and but then he suffered that bad cut and Sergio took it away from him. I I remember that you actually uh, you, you, you uh reminded me, um, Kirk. I remember Pavlik showed a photo of that uh, uh infection. It looked yeah. really bad, didn't it? Aye, yeah. staff infection. Yeah. And that would have been another really interesting fight because, you know, Pavlik's the puncher against Paul Williams, big, you know, big guy for a lot of punches. That would have been a really good fight as well. As well like Pavlik Abraham. Was he fitting glass or something and the glass tore uh, through his arm or something and he got an infection or something like that? I remember at the time. can't really remember, but it was a really bad injury. Saying that though, me, I forget it was you, David, when I mentioned about, you know, how tragic, maybe it was you, Steve, how tragic the lights have probably turned out. You know, we, we know what happened to Taylor as well. I mean, if you think about, you know, what he did after that fight, you know, he was at the ring for, what, I think it was about 10 months. He fought Jeff Lacey, then obviously he got the chance to the world title against against Carol Froch, well in front, on two of the scorecards at least, and then gets knocked out in the 12th round, stopped by the 12th round, and then, you know, Less, I mean, brutal, yeah, the Abraham was brutal. I mean, that's probably one of the most brutal knockouts you'll see. Top of the head, wasn't it? Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, he was on the ground for ages, and you know, his wife was at ringside that night, and his whole family in Germany, and he's basically shouting, Jermaine, get up, you're, you're playing, you're just playing. No, sweetheart, it wasn't, it wasn't just playing, it's been rewired. And to be honest, I say the word rewired with a bit of respect because if you look at what he's been doing nowadays, you're a bit with guns and you've let off, it was, you know getting arrested for letting off an AK-47 or an M-16 recently or an Uzi weapon and he's... He was, he was sectioned, wasn't he, as well, yeah. briefly. So, I mean, it's just, it, you know, it, both these fighters have had demons, you know. It's, the way Jermaine Taylor's, you know, as you said, you know, he wasn't this, this brash, arrogant guy, you know, like an Adrian Browner type. He, he was a humble kid and it seemed like the fame and the, more, more so the money, you know, changed him a little bit, a little bit and, you know, maybe... He started hanging around with different people, and he got too big for his boots. And now we see him. You know, it's, it's sad the way he's gone. And I think the Evelyn... you know, his problem with alcohol, and you know, seeing his after he's lost to Sergio Martinez, his retirements coming back maybe, and you know, seeing him go out against you know Alfonso Lopez and Will Wazinski and these type of fighters, and then he just no, no doubt he's still got problems, you know, with with the drink as well. And it's just a shame both of these guys how it turned out to him. Yeah, he was, he was being lined up to fight Buhay, wasn't he, at one stage, and I think he pulled out and announced his retirement. That's yeah, true, but... uh, I remember, remember as well, he was, he was very scathing of the Super 6 tournament, which I was a big supporter of, actually, saying that, you know, these guys are fighting, you know, okay, they're fighting the best, but they're, they're fighting for, like, $500,000. But uh, by this point, you know, I think uh, Pavlik at this point, was actually been, he'd lost to Hopkins. He's 
you know, he'd lost to Martinez by that point as well. Um, you know, the Super Six was running about 2009, 2010, so really, you know, it would have been an ideal opportunity maybe if he was going to move up in weight, if he shipped the stuff together to actually get involved in that tournament and try and keep his career going, because if you look at who you fought, Jesse Nick Lowe, you know, Khalid Trouts, Raul Munez, Juan Candelio, Sam Sutter, uh, Sam Sutter, sorry, Tom Taylor here, Tom Taylor, we mentioned Pavlik, sorry, he fought Lopez, Jaco, Scott Sigmund and Will Rosinski, you know, who are these guys, you know? So it'd been yeah. a shame. It'd be a good addition to that to that yeah. to that tournament. It's just the, the Abraham fight. Just I remember, you know, every week on Steve Brunson, you know, on his show, yeah. talking about it. It's just a strange fight where you just think it seems so obvious to make. You know, both undefeated guys, both big punchers, both hold titles. Why not make the fight? I mean, Abraham had been to America. He's been after that fight as well. You know, I know Bob Donna can see the ground, but you know, I'm I'm sure it was pretty obvious that the fight would have to be in America and I don't understand why it never happened, but that would have been a, a really fun fight. Two guys who, you know, were gonna be right in front of each other who can punch and who, who would whose will would give in. Especially in Middleweight as well where you know, there were that was yeah. The two of them were at their absolute peak. Two guys yeah, two guys who really were only good at one weight, and once they moved, yeah. you know, they'd never be good at even though Pavlik was was a big guy the way, he was proof that, you know, a higher weight. I mean, against Hopkins, he he had nothing. And even in his his fights after Martinez, when he was fighting as super weight, he just he wasn't the same. Yeah, I think I think Abraham was coming off coming off that. Well, but before that fight with Taylor, actually, Abraham was coming off that that vicious evil knockout against that Maya Urel, who was the one with the kind of left uh, left uh, left uppercut in the base oh, of the yes. thing. Like, oh, that was that was one of the most brutal knockouts you'll see. Yeah, and then we're talking about you know going back to Taylor, and you mentioned. Abraham's knockout uh, of Taylor. I think. I think that seems to be like the the start of the real downfall for Taylor, doesn't it? In terms of his personal life, I mean, he's, he's he suffered like a what was it like a really bad concussion in that fight? But with that knockout, Abraham, and, yeah, yeah, the Abraham fight, you know. And uh, Taylor, I remember reading at the time, Taylor couldn't remember a thing leading into that fight, the fight itself. I mean, you just wonder. I mean, especially uh, that plus. The knockouts to to Frotch and have like you wonder like you know has that affected him mentally? It probably has. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point, actually, because am I, you guys have probably already mentioned this. I'm just remembering it now. It wasn't Taylor. There was some kind of brain damage there, and Lou DiBella didn't want to let him sanction to be fight or yep. something like that. Wasn't there going on at the time? He had bleeding on the brain. Didn't it, it was, yeah, it was mm. after it was after the Abraham knockout because he had to withdraw from the tournament, and that was when the, I think it was. Yes, Alan that's Green. right. I think Alan, Alan Green came Green. into the tournament. Yes, that point. right, and the Alan Green for Kessler, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. But I think with, with Debella, I think he loved Jermaine Taylor. I mean, you know, Debella had that, you know, bit of fallout with Hopkins and Jermaine Taylor beating Hopkins was a kind of victory for Debella and Debella used it against Hopkins and he was really close. And when he walked away, he, you know, he generally did it for the right reason. You know, he, he couldn't be a part of you know, Jermaine fighting on because of this, you know, because of how serious this was. For him. And then years later, he worked with him again and, he, you know, Debella got a lot of criticism, which was rightly so because... You know, for him to walk away and say, you know, for promoter to walk away, we're not there like, because of a guy's, you know, problems with his brain. I mean, that's how everything. And when he came back, it was like, you know, it, it was just a sad thing where a boxer again fighting on when, you know, obviously, for whatever reason. It's a bit hypocritical of the bell, though, because did they know then oh, say that, yeah. you know, that Sergio Martinez was struggling and, yeah, in rehab before he fought Cotto and, but you still want your guy to fight. 
but simple fact is because they saved that $1.5 million payday, so I think it's slightly hypocritical of Blue de Bella. Yeah, and, and, and yeah. when Taylor came back to fight um, Sam Solomon, I mean, there's that kind of startling photo of him, isn't there, that does drones on Twitter frequently, <laughs> that, that glassy-eyed look. <laughs> he's, he's, not, he's not all there, and, you know, it's, 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 it, it, is, it is sad it to is. see. I mean, you know, we, we mentioned, as we mentioned earlier on, you know, this, this, this kid was, you know, nice, humble guy from American side, uh, you know, complete gentleman by all accounts, and this guy today just seems to be... Um, a danger to himself and society. Unfortunately so, Dave. I think just uh, final comments from me, just summing it up. I think we've, we've said it all really, guys. Two trouble guys outside of the ring who just put it all on the line and gave us a fantastic spectacle inside the ring. Um, I really did get a, lot, a great deal of enjoyment going back and revisiting this fight. There's always something great about going back and watching these these brilliant fights and you remember them at the time and I was saying earlier actually I can't believe it's going to be 10 years uh, next year that, that this took place it just seems like it was yesterday and I think one thing that I would say at the end is regarding Taylor he'd put in a lot of lacklustre performances and I think he just needed somebody to bring the fight out of him and that's exactly what pa uh, Pavlik did I mean Taylor in the end ended up receiving the acclaim in defeat that he'd always been missing in victory to that point so uh, I'll just thank both yeah. of these guys. It was an excellent fight. Yeah, one more thing quickly as well. I think, as you mentioned, Jermaine Tyler is not a boxing fan. He doesn't have any interest mm -hmm. in the sport. He doesn't care about the sport. So I think for a lot of these troubled guys, boxing is something that they enjoy, something that they get them out of, you know, whether it be the streets or gangs or, you know, crime, whatever. But for Jermaine Tyler, I don't think he ever had that because the one thing yeah. that took him away from, the, you know, the troubles is something that he didn't really care about. And it was to him, it was just a job, like everyone's normal job is routine. Tim, it wasn't enjoyment, and you know it was only the the payday at the end of it, which is probably the enjoyment. But the actual training for it and the fight itself, he didn't really care about. So for him, he, you know, I don't know if he had outlet or he had friends around him, you know, or the right friends at that time to really help him out. And it's you know where where we we see him where he is now. So it's just a, a sad all round. I, I think Manny should have alluded to that mate as well because it was a I think it was a build up to the first fight that I think they, they actually took a, took a train camp away and is it the, the Pokemon Mountains or something because just a simple fact is you know once Taylor came out the gym he was just his, his mind was in the unboxing because if he was in seclusion his, his mind was unboxing at least you know for like 12 hours a day you could sit down with him show him some fights go through some of the you know, he showed him like Leonard against Hearns for instance look at some of Pavlik's fights and stuff whereas as you quite already say he wasn't really his heart I don't think fully was really any boxing you know he wasn't one of these guys who like studies fighters and live the life so to speak Dave anything you want to close with yeah I mean we don't want to end on a somber note um, as you mentioned Steve it's um, it's it's going to be 10 years next year for um uh, for the anniversary of this fight, and you know, def I, we, we mention it every episode, don't we? But it, it's definitely one you have to check out if you haven't seen it already. I mean, it, it's one of the great middleweight fights, and you know, middleweight division, you know, it, it's always been a favorite of mine, and it is you know, for a lot of connoisseurs. And you know, this fight done, um, done middleweight boxing proud, you know, it's definitely one to check out. Yeah, I think it definitely is one of the great middleweight fights and certainly one that we've we've enjoyed. If there's any fights that you enjoy, then don't forget to uh, drop us a line and tell us exactly what you want to hear on future episodes of Punches from the Past. Go along and, and, and watch this one on YouTube and tell us what you thought over on the Facebook page or over on Twitter. Tell us exactly what you thought about this fight. Um, 
about the careers of Jermaine Taylor and Kelly Pavlik, respectively. And uh, check out our previous episodes as well. We've got seven in the bag. This is number eight as well. Another couple uh, to go before we end the series. And thanks for everyone for listening. We do appreciate you taking the time to check out Punches from the Past, and we'll, we'll speak to you soon. Steve Wellings, Andy Patterson, Dave Lee, and Kurt Ward off the panel. Thank you. Podcast Network.